Dr. Payne Show, 1-855-55-DR-LOU, D-R-L-O-U, info at paincarecanada.com. We are back. we got a full... Uh, a full show today. We do, back we by guests. popular demand. Nice. Yeah, yeah. a lot of the people enjoyed having Dr. Bergavin, and Dr. Gordon on with their expertise when we were talking about uh, the knee clinic and the knee initiative that we're doing where you can give us a call directly um, and potentially see one of these two gentlemen immediately. There's no, no need to wait. Yeah. Um, again, more so for the acute injuries, and we're trying to really isolate the people that may potentially need surgery and get them in for surgery as soon as possible so that again we've gone over this so that it doesn't delay outcomes it it makes the prognosis better uh but today we have them back again uh we're going to continue to talk about you know the the knee more specifically Mm -hmm. because both of these two gentlemen deal with the knees but we're also going to go into other body parts uh like the shoulder um and talk about some of the things that we can do in those areas but again focusing on the knee and then we're going to move into um what's called prp injections for things like knee pain due to osteoarthritis which is very very prevalent i'm going to turn it over to dr bergava um who's going to start with again taking us through exactly what is osteoarthritis of the knee uh in simple terms just so everybody can Mm -hmm. understand understand it, how prevalent it is, uh, how much of the population it affects, et cetera. So Dr. Bergava? So arthritis is, uh, osteoarthritis is basically when the cartilage that covers the end of the bone disintegrates over time. So when, when we're born, uh, any joint that you have in your body, the end, of the, the end of the bone is covered with cartilage. So it's not really bone that you would see. Cartilage is what you'd see at the end of a chicken bone. The glistening white stuff is, is nice cartilage. And cartilage Rubbing on cartilage has a very low friction. It's better than ice on ice, so if you can imagine that. But what happens is when we're born, we're born with a certain amount of cartilage, maybe a centimeter or more thick, and then over time, we don't get any more of that. And that starts to deteriorate over time, either from injury or from overuse and possibly some hereditary factors. And when the cartilage degenerates, then you start to get pain and swelling possibly and eventually you lose all that cartilage and develop end-stage osteoarthritis. And so the cartilage, just so again for our listeners, its its function is, is essentially um, to absorb shock to help the friction between bone-on-bone bone so that it's not bone-on-bone. Bone. Is, is that right? Yeah, I mean, I would say the best, yeah, it, it's to help with friction. So yeah. so it, it's very smooth. Not so much, I, I guess to some degree it absorbs, it absorbs force too, but that's more the meniscus and the knee. meniscus, right. Um, but the main the main focus is is it prevents pain because the end of the bone is covered, and you don't have pain. Right. Okay. And and Dr. Gordon, can you go through? I mean, I Dr. Gordon was giving a talk uh, last week that I was at, um, and you were highlighting how prevalent osteoarthritis is. Can you just take us through some of the epidemiology or or the prevalence of this disease that affects so many people? Yeah. Thanks for having me back. No again. problem. Normally, I don't get invited back a second time. <laughs> Uh, unless to apologize. This is it, though. This yeah, after, yeah. There's no third time. And uh, just to add to what uh, Dr. Bargava said, I also like to relate it to Teflon coating. So right. it makes it nice and smooth, <clears throat> easy, glistening. And then it's like when you scrape the Teflon, it goes away. Obviously, it's not working as well anymore. So osteoarthritis is the most common cause of disability in North America, actually of chronic diseases. And 22% of the population in North America has it at one time. Wow. And over 50% of people over the age of 65 uh, have some kind of osteoarthritis. So it's, it's very, very prevalent. And to put it in economic terms, especially in this kind of medical system, remember we have a very uh, specific medical system um, in our country, the socialized medicine, that actually costs $162 billion wow. a year. Wow. Billion. So when people think healthcare is free. 
Yeah. Not really. <laughs> no, and it, it costs a fortune. And that's a big problem for our government is how do you deal with that? It takes up 12% of our GDP and 33% of our budget in this province. So as we're getting older, and I'll give you a couple more numbers. I don't mean to uh, barrage you with numbers, but um, uh, um, it's doubled over the last 20 years. Okay, so it's been doubling. And if we look at total knee replacements, which is a priority of the government and, and the previous government, it's excellent. Um, we are going to increase by 2030 by 673% the amount of total knees that we do. And as Dr. Bogreva said, when you have that end-stage arthritis, that's when the, you have to what replace the What does that equate knee. into real numbers? So how many knee replacements happen now? On our, I'm not sure uh, if you guys I, I have that, that I have the, I have that number, and it's... Um, it is three million knees are done in North America wow. right now. A year, right now. Wow, three, and, that's and, and it's set totally, to go up by how and much? It's going to double by twenty wow. thirty. So that's a huge. That's call a lot of kids, everywhere. if you're looking for a gig, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. plumbing is not your thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of knees you got to replace out there. Wow, yeah. that's incredible. And all of this is directly related to the aging population. Right. So as as the population segmentally gets older. You're going to have much more demand for right. for non-operative treatment, but also operative treatment. But I, and I, I guess something like osteoarthritis is very much related to age. The older you get, the more likely yeah. you're going to have degeneration in joints. And and you're right, as our population ages and and those baby boomers get to that age, more and more people are set to have these types of issues. But as we're going to talk about more throughout uh, the the next hour, that there's other things outside of just the knee replacement that that can be done to help that because a lot of the time you can't get the knee replacement right away either. So what do you do in the meantime if you're suffering from pain? one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, info at paincarecanada.com. Just getting warmed up. The Dr. Pain Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U is the number anytime, info at paincarecanada.com. Get that consultation happening first step. We are talking with, uh, of course, Dr. Lou's here, yep. Dr. Bragava, Dr. Gordon, talking about knees, right? Knees, we're yep. continuing on the knee topic here. So we started with the first segment talking about osteoarthritis, what it is, how prevalent it is. Um, we all kind of heard the, and we, we talked a little bit about knee replacements, but we ended off um, with what are some of the other things that you can do with osteoarthritis? So uh, again, I'm going to turn it to our experts here on some of the non-surgical options that exist um, for osteoarthritis of the knee. Who wants to take it? So I think what's interesting is that a lot of patients come to us and, and really want, are really asking us as what to do with their knee arthritis. And really the the hard thing for patients to understand is that it's not up to the doctor to decide when they're ready for their knee replacement. It, it Knee replacement in a sense is a lifestyle choice and the patient and the family have to decide when uh, they're ready for it. When they're fed up with their pain, that's, that's the time to have that knee replacement despite what their x-rays may look like. So some people with very severe arthritis on x-ray may have minimal symptoms, and they may not require a knee replacement. On the other hand, someone with a lot, um, very minimal arthritis may require a knee replacement because of their pain. Right, and you've seen a lot of these people. So we have people that are pro athletes that have terrible, terrible knees and can go out and play at a professional level, and other people who have very minor arthritis, they can't even go up some stairs. So it's very individual for each person, and we treat them each as individuals and according to their, their symptoms. So Maybe, uh, Manoj, we'd like to get into what sort of options there are for the mild arthritis and moderate arthritis as opposed to the end-stage arthritis, and maybe we can talk about that. So one of the things uh, that the American Academy, um, which is one of our guiding associations, tells us that actually now exercise 
and weight loss is very, very important. Therapy, chiropractic, yeah. physio, yeah. rehab. Now, this is very recent. The, the latest study came out that, that actually weight loss does help. It never has been shown that before. Empirically, you would have thought it made sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't go to Harvard or Yale like Manoj, so <laughs> to me, some things don't make as much sense as to him. But um, clearly, exercise, chiro, physio, strengthening is really, really important. And that's the first thing that one w- would start. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, so people... Some of the people come to us and have are, have been pretty inactive because of the arthritis or because of other factors. So the first the first goal would be to try to get them more active and try to lose some weight, get some quadricep strength going and improve the range of motion, hopefully decrease the swelling so they'd be referred for physiotherapy or other treatments to try to, to try to strengthen them and try to get them on a home exercise program. And I would say that's the bare minimum that we need to get everybody doing. Right. Agreed. Yeah. And then start doing non-impact uh, exercises like swimming, yeah. aquasize, cycling, um, ellipticals is very good. All these things will, will help, especially with a bad knee. Right. So as someone that has an exercise, I tell them the first thing to do is to get in the pool. So if you can't swim, mm-hmm. go to an Aquafit class. And most community centers will offer Aquafit at very low cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that way they're getting moving and they're doing it low-impact way burning some calories, hopefully losing some weight. Elliptical is usually something that most people with knee problems tolerate fairly well. So that that would be a secondary thing. So one of the things um, that I often will be asked about is injections, different types of injections for the, for the knee. Can you take us through some of those options? And I think, Dr. Gordon, you may have some um, evidence as to what things are supported by research and what things are not, right. um, and just and even from your guys' clinical experience, what you see, what are the things that seem to help that don't seem to help? Where should people be really, you know, focused on? I'm very uh, passionate uh, about this, and, and specifically about some of the things that some of our colleagues have been doing for many, many years, and, and tradition. And now, unfortunately, tradition. Uh, doesn't really cut it sometimes. And the evidence for certain things, as American Academy as well suggests, and so for cortisone. Right. Cortisone is and not that's a huge. Good, Everyone n- talks about cortisone all the time. Not a good thing. It's You've not heard good it here. for the joint. Uh, the maximum in, the, in these uh, studies that show effect is two to four weeks, which is not acceptable. Yeah. So please do not do cortisone. Read some papers. See the double-blind randomized controlled studies that are level one that shows it's no different from saline injections or or placebo or sham. We call a sham. Right. So that's one of the key things. Another one, I had three patients in uh, today that were uh, offered hyaluronic acid or HA. Again, the literature clearly shows in the Academy Cochrane Library Review, they show that there is no effect significant effect compared to placebo. And they're charging 600 to $1,200 oh. for that. So again, why are they doing that? Mm-hmm. Well, you tell me. And, and, and those things also have risks, like the cortisone injections on bone yes. density, especially in an older female or someone who already has a history of osteoporosis. Right. You're predisposing them to um, weaker bones. Um, and so it's very interesting to because, again, through my own clinical experience, the amount of people that I've seen uh, that have been told by you know, their family doctor or whatever physician that they're seeing to get cortisone injections and they continue to do them. Uh, but you're suggesting here that specifically for the knee, the research is not very good for things like that. It's very good to show that you should not have That it. you should not have yeah. it, right, which is the opposite right. of, I guess, what most people think. And and really cortisone, it's, it's and again, maybe Dr. Bergavi, you can clarify for people, but it's really just a Band-Aid solution. It's really just trying to block pain for a period of time. It's not really doing anything to promote healing or change anything about the pathology itself. 
No, I mean, agreed. It, it certainly would not. Um, it would not change the pathology at all. There are people. There are people who respond very well to cortisone, and those people come back. But when you when you factor those people in with the people who who don't respond very well, the overall effect is quite minimal. So we got to take a break. We're gonna we're gonna leave off there, and we'll get we'll start back on that when uh, we come back from break. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U info at paincarecanada.com. Doctor Pain Show continues. Global News Radio six forty Toronto. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U info at paincarecanada.com. Just want to mention the consultations. Get yeah, it happening, free consultation. Right? Yep. Give me a call. It's very simple. Okay. We're gonna have a discussion. Uh, again, we're talking about the knee today, but yep. any type of pain uh, issue, injury issue, give me a call. I'm here to help and, and point you in the right direction. But turning back to, we, we ended off with injections. Dr. Bergava uh, was speaking about, and Dr. Gordon, about the cortisone injections and HA injections. Um, we're going to talk about some other interventions that are available for osteoarthritis. And again, we really want to focus on what works and what doesn't work. And, and Dr. Gordon brought up that there's good research to suggest that you should not do the cortisone injection. So, uh, But there's other things out there like anti-inflammatory medication, bracing other assistive devices or pain management devices like TENS machines. So can you guys give us a little bit of um, research and, again, clinical experience on what the the effect and efficacy of those types of interventions may be? So anti-inflammatories are quite rampant. So things like uh, Voltaren, things like Naproxen are prescribed quite quite frequently. And, and they certainly do help with pain relief. However, there certainly are a lot of side effects. So GI side effects, gastrointestinal side effects like just heartburn or um, gastric pain or worse, such things like a bleed uh, can certainly occur. So short-term use of these things are safe, mm-hmm. but in in certain populations, certainly in elderly populations, they can be quite dangerous. And, and something like osteoarthritis of the knee is not something that's short-term. You have to almost try to find a long-term solution. This isn't, I just sprained my ankle on the weekend and I need to manage it. This is a chronic condition, which the, I think your point is really more uh, important when considering something like osteoarthritis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So other things like uh, glucosamine. I'm the negative Nancy here today. Yeah, it's okay. negative <laughs> norm. I'm trying to be equal. Not, not just today, Dr. Right, but, uh, 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 glucosamine <laughs> as well has been shown numerous times not to be any different from a sugar pill, even though it is a sugar pill. Think about that one. <laughs> and uh, other things we can use are acupuncture. Sometimes it, it may relieve, but it's very, very uh, uh, short-acting, pretty inconclusive. Uh, and then we get into, of course, the opioids and stronger medicine, which you should not do because of the high addiction. Yeah. Uh, rate and it, they don't work for that. It's a good painkiller, but we're trying to work on anti-inflammation, which is uh, what Dr. Bargava talked about, and that's also why PRP is so effective, which we'll get into, yeah, we'll get into is that. an anti-inflammatory uh, part. Uh, there's also uh, bracing, yep. uh, so you can get an unloading brace. There's a couple of good studies on that, which mm-hmm. does show it about 22 weeks after using these custom-made braces for arthritis that they help. And, and the way that you can think about that is that you have the arthritis sometimes on one side of your knee, mm-hmm. on one side of it, and the brace pushes it over to open up open that up side that. and relieve some of the pressure. So right. that's also been shown to be quite a, quite effective. And braces work. So if you if you yep. take someone who's got, say, medial-sided inside knee arthritis mm-hmm. and you unload them on that side, 
they're able to walk longer yeah, they're if able they to wear walk. the brace. And especially if they do certain types of activities, it's probably even more important for them to wear that brace during those activities slash sports that they may be wanting to still play for sure. Yes. And back to the physio, chiro, the strengthening the quads yep. has been also shown to do well. And there's TENS machines, neuromuscular TENS yep. as well can give some relief. But it doesn't cure the problem, but it no. does help relieve. And more like an analgesic, yeah. Right. And yeah. especially when you have a waiting list and you're waiting for potential treatment, this is a good uh, stopgap uh, measure. I'm just yeah. shocked about the glucosamine and the uh, cortisone. I mean, that's that stuff's like on everybody's shelf. Yeah, it's you're absolutely right. This is the stuff. advertising, the <laughs> pharmaceutical. One eight hundred marketing. Yeah, yeah. It's, right. it's all it's all marketing. It's all marketing. Dr. Gordon that gave this Man. talk last week, he had this one slide specifically about marketing, and it all goes back to um, what people are perceived to believe. But again, a- as healthcare professionals, our job is really to provide evidence-based medicine, which is uh, three things. It's, a sen- it's the best uh, available literature that we have, uh, clinical experience, why we bring these two gentlemen in, and also what the patient wants. That's also something that's very important in evidence-based medicine. And so, you know, we're here to provide, it- it's just, there's so many people doing these things. Like you said, cortisone injections, glucosamine, uh, and and getting very little effect. And I have no shortage of people that call me and say that they've done all these things, but they're no different. Well, right. this this essentially explains why. And and I guess right now we want to turn. So we we've kind of started the first half of the show talking about all the things that you know don't really seem to be working all that well. Uh, but going forward, we want to start talking about uh, some of the things that may potentially work very well. And again, I think it's really important to highlight. You know, in a, in a case where someone does need an eventual knee replacement, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do anything until you get that knee replacement either. And that's where we're going to start to highlight some of these the importance of things like PRP and, and the good research available for this type of intervention. Uh, but I believe we have to take a break right now. And so uh, when we come back, we'll we'll go on to uh, the PRP. Number simple, one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. It is email as well, info at paincarecanada.com. Lots more coming up. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U info at paincarecanada.com. Got doctors Gordon and Bergavi here talking knees. We're talking things that work, especially is good, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so we're going to turn it to uh, PRP. We're going to let Doctor Bergava, who uh, is Harvard and Yale trained, as Doctor Gordon always likes to bring up. But it is it's Can a you great speak resume. Slowly for me, it's, it's a great resume. <laughs> so we do want to bring this up. Uh, so Doctor Bergava, please PRP. What is it um, in in simple terms for our listeners? So PRP stands for platelet-rich plasma. So what it is, is it's a derivative or, or from whole blood. So we, we take blood from, from the patient, and it gets spun down. And when it spins down in a centrifuge, you get separation of, of, of these components. And the top layer will be plasma that has a lot of platelets in it. Right. And what is a platelet? So platelet is something that is found in normal blood, and platelet... Is, the main reason to have platelets in your blood is it causes clotting. Right. So if you have a bleed, you need platelets to stop you from bleeding. Mm-hmm. But platelets do that by releasing a lot of growth factors. Right. So the reason to, to have plasma-rich, pro, I mean, sorry, platelet-rich plasma is I that- I messed that, up that way at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's okay. Is that that PRP has a lot of growth factors in it and has a lot of anti-inflammatory mediators in it. So right. we talked about anti-inflammatory medication. So- those are in there and these growth factors are in there. And those growth factors seem to help um, bone growth, seem to help cartilage growth, seem to help tendon growth and all these things. And then the, the anti-inflammatory meteors help to decrease inflammation. So right. you're getting two for the price of one 
in that layer. And so let's let's go back for our, again our listeners who don't know the PRP. That is, you you essentially make that how by taking a person's blood. It's their own blood. And what are you doing? Because right. plasma is a component. Like let's take let's take our listeners through what blood is made sure. up, which includes the plasma, the red blood cells, and kind of distinguish that for them. Right. So I mean, you you see the color of blood being red. So that's primarily from the red cells, but there are white cells. Wait a second, you're colorblind, aren't you? Yes, yeah. It's <laughs> always been told. Yeah. <laughs> and they are, so there's red blood cells and there are white blood cells and there are platelets. Those are the three main components. Yeah. And uh, serum is where most of the water sits in there. There's some overlap between where the white blood cells and the platelets sit. Right. Okay, and, and the key to this, it's organic because it's your blood. We're yeah, taking no it rejection. From, if you're from yeah. Caledon or someone, it's definitely organic blood. If that's where you've grown up, okay. So you you, you, you go to take, Whole Foods, yeah. <laughs> you know. right? So you take your own blood, you spin it, and put it back in your own and, body. And, and it's that's fantastic. That's right. really why I wanted to bring up the because we're saying PRP, and the three of us very much know how it's it's extracted. But it's very important to highlight this is essentially a process where we're taking the patient's blood, um, putting it through a centrifuge or something that is essentially spins that um, and separating it into different components and then taking uh, the platelet-rich protein, uh, the platelet-rich plasma. I keep messing this up. Again, so uh, Dr. Gordon, can you take us through, I believe you have some studies on uh, specifically PRP injections for the knee. Can you take us through uh, its efficacy and how safe it is and, and all of those things? Sure. So by the way, the procedure itself only takes about five minutes. So you come in, you have, uh, you take the blood, you inject it, and you're out of the office really wow. quickly in five, five to ten minutes. And you can do whatever you want. You go play hockey, go back to work, uh, go back to being a surgeon, whatever it is you like <laughs> to do. Um, and and it, it's a very quick, easy uh, procedure. The only side effect, in case we forget, is sometimes you can get an infection from any kind of needle mm-hmm. when you when you do that. It's very low, 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 but that's really about the only. But that pertains uh, to any injection. Correct. That yeah, you anything, sure. any you injection. Get a flu shot, there's right. A, yeah, there, it's it's still. A, I just some, want to say that yeah. it's not. Yeah. One hundred percent. So yeah, there's two really, really good studies that uh, systematically reviewed all the literature. And one of them looked at 817 knees. Now, that's a lot of knees, okay, 817 knees. And they found that by looking at a scoring system that involves getting up in the morning, being able to dress, walk uh, stairs, uh, actually go to the bathroom, go to work, go to the mall, walking, there's a big scoring system that they looked at, and every single one of them uh, showed a really, really significant improvement. And as a matter of fact, in that study, 68% of the people who had uh, mild to moderate arthritis got better significantly better. Nice. It means 50% better. And that is huge. And that's yeah. something very new, just published in 2017. And that is great. You cannot beat that with anything else. It blew my socks off. Yeah. It, was, it was really, really cool. And then another uh, study as well, I looked at 1,100 knees at 6 to 12 months. And at 6 to 12 months, they're even better. So it continually improves. And they had a 78% uh, success rate. And what was really neat is you ask them, Americans love this. They want to know satisfaction, right? Rolling Stone, satisfaction. So 73% were satisfied, 73% were satisfied with the procedure, and only 9% were not. And if you look at the control or the placebo group, mm-hmm. only um, 5% were satisfied. So, that's, that's staggering. So significant. That's a, yeah. really, really shows you the efficacy yeah. and how well it works. 
So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go for a break, but we're gonna continue talking about the PRP, which is the platelet-rich plasma. I promise I'll stop messing that up. I believe at the beginning I messed it up, but uh, um, yeah, and we're we'll continue uh, speaking about this. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. It's info at paincarecanada.com. That's the number and the email. Use it. Get that consultation happening and lots more coming up after a short break. Doctor Payne Show, Global News Radio, six forty Toronto. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U info at paincarecanada.com is the email and the number. Talking knees, we're talking PRP, which stands for platelet rich plasma. All right, <laughs> without a net, because the platelets are the important component that we need for this to all work. Um, Doctor Gordon was giving a talk last week, um, and there was something that really stuck out to me, which was uh, when you look at a grading system, and, and I'll try to keep it as simple as possible for osteoarthritis, so the knee yep. arthritis, essentially mild, moderate, severe, and, and we can all, uh, and these two gentlemen will tell you that when you have severe end-stage osteoarthritis, that likely, yes, your, your best option is going to be the knee replacement. Uh, but when you're hovering in the mild to moderate osteoarthritis, um, where you're not a candidate for uh, a knee replacement yet, nor do you l- want to do it if you don't have to yet, what are your options? And we've gone through that. A lot of the other things like the cortisone injections, the hyaluronic acid injections uh, may not necessarily work as well, but something like this, um, there was very, very good evidence for the mild to moderate um, osteoarthritis with the PRP injection. Is that right? So I'd like to say, I mean, for the moderate arthritis, in, in some people, you may be ready to have a knee replacement. But what's really interesting about this is that if this works, this may delay your right. need for a knee replacement. And you'd say, well, why do you need to delay that? I mean, if you, get, if you have to have it, why not just have it? Because if you're young and you have a knee replacement, it's going to wear out over time. Right. So if you're in your 50s and you you want to have a knee replacement, you have to be prepared for possibly having two knee replacements, right? right. It's going to wear out. In- how long does a knee replacement last? I mean, that may be a diff- It's like saying how long does a tire last, but hey, about, generally. About 84% last 15 years. Okay. So yeah, you're absolutely if right. You're if you're in your fifties, yeah, you're yep. going to by the age lo- of sixty-five. Yes. You need another one, and right. it, you'd be better served by trying to delay it, as you're suggesting. So if you are in your fifties, you you've got moderate arthritis, PRP may be a really good option for you because it's going to help you to delay that eventual knee replacement. Because again, these things wear out. It's not a perfect system where they're going to replace it, um, and that it will last for another fifty years, as you've suggested. Eighty-four percent lasts about fifteen years, which. Yeah, you could potentially need two, maybe even three, depending on how long you go. Oh, don't say that. The health minister will get very upset. <laughs> say three knee replacements. <laughs> but as as you uh, said, it's not only delaying; you're actually making people better, yeah. which is huge. It's not about a delay; you're making people right. better. Uh, Seventy-eight to eighty percent of the time, where they're happy, get back to work, get back to functioning again. That scoring system had to do with activities of daily living and functioning in society, and your job and your sport. So that's very, very important. Yeah. I would imagine the, the the recovery and everything else compared to PRP to a knee replacement. I mean, it's not it's not even comparable. Well, as Doctor to get an injection suggests that it's, it's five minutes. Right now, there there were some. I remember in your talk where um, there are certain times where they the research looked at uh, the improvements, and I believe it was something like three months and, and a year after. And there were even improvements up until sometimes a year later. Is that right? Right. So at three months, there wasn't a huge difference. There was improvement in a lot of things. But after three months, if you're looking at six months and 12 months down the road, significantly better. And the curve's actually going up instead of declining. And that, right. that's really... Can you do it again at that point? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, again, 
There's different companies, different ways. You can do two yep. injections, one injection, different types. Uh, I don't get into trade names and stuff like that. Uh, most of them uh, work. But one injection or two injections is, is the ultimate. They haven't compared one injection to three, so I can't comment on that. They've looked at three injections, looked at one injection. Right. And two injections, mm. but not against each other right. versus. So uh, one injection uh, should do very well. And as I said, at six months to 12 months, you keep getting better. Better. And, and I think for anybody suffering from, anybody that's listening that has um, knee osteoarthritis knows that this is long-term pain that they're dealing with in there. And they're just looking for what's, they're not really looking for the quick fix. And, and that essentially brings up the downfall of things like the cortisone injections like you brought up, where it's a very, it's a Band-Aid solution for a very short period of time. Whereas this, after three months, all the way up into a year, you can still be expecting improvements and, and getting better. And I think you know, you talked about the outcome measures that they use to measure these people's improvements. It's a lot of it is looking at the quality of the person's life, which is so important because people want to be out there. They want to be playing the sport that they're involved in. They want to be able to still spend time with their kids, their grandkids, and not be hindered uh, by their knee pain. And we've talked a lot about on the show um, how pain is one of those things that doesn't necessarily affect the quantity of your life, but very much can affect the quality of your life. And I think it's very important that something like this um, can really help to improve those pain levels, which in turn can improve the quality of uh, your life. Um, and shameful plug, that's exactly what you do at your uh, clinics is you do look at the holistic way of making uh, people better, which is very impressive uh, for me and, and I'm sure for Dr. Bargava as well. Yeah, we try our best to to really, you know, get get down to the, the solution. We're, we're focusing on PRP for um, the knee, but before we go to break, I think we have a couple minutes. Um, Dr. Bargava, other joints that may benefit for something like PRP? So as Dr. Gordon knows, there's not a lot of literature on any other joint except the knee. Knee, knee arthritis seems to be the one that most of the uh, research papers focus on. One, because it's easy to get into a knee joint compared to, say, a hip or a shoulder. And, right. and also it's much more prevalent than, say, shoulder arthritis. But it makes sense to me that you can extrapolate some of this data to at least arthritis involving other joints. So it may be, you may, if you have uh, a lot of hip, ar if you have hip arthritis or if you have shoulder arthritis, it may make some sense to have a PRP injection along with the other treatments. Now, hip that OA is going to be much more prevalent, I believe, than shoulder OA. Is that right? Am I, yeah. 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 Hip, and, hip and knee are certainly number one. Shoulder is way down there. And, and we'll talk in the next time about how to get into those joints. Sure. Okay. I think we're going for a break. Yep. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. It is info at paincarecanada.com. Free consultation. Get it happening. We're back with uh, with more with both of our surgeons here today in the Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. It's the Dr. Payne Show. Info at paincarecanada.com. Free consultations. Make that call. Send the email. And Dr. Lou will get back to you uh, very quickly talking more about PRP, knees and shoulders and joints and yep. it's amazing we can all stand upright at this point right <laughs> um so you know one of the things that we, we want to highlight is uh prp injections are available mm -hmm. uh with my team and specifically these two uh specialists with the knee and uh you know i think you need to be careful and i think i'll let dr gordon uh talk about this but there's a lot of places out there advertising potentially that they're doing PRP, but I think it becomes very important on who exactly is doing the injection because you don't just want just anybody doing that. So, um, Dr. Gordon, I'm going to turn it to you. 
so it is important to be with someone who has experience in injecting knees. It doesn't have to be us. It can be anybody. Sure, but yeah. Obviously, someone that has experience because they have had some studies where they actually looked at people giving needles into the knee and using image to see if they're actually in the knee. So it's very important that if you're experienced and you're someone that's doing a lot of knee, knee injections, a lot of knee surgery, that you probably would want to go to someone uh, like that. More and specialized. Feel, and feel yeah. comfortable that they're getting that uh, PRP into your knee. Yeah, I mean, you you guys are specialists in the knee, so mm-hmm. uh, that's what you're dealing with. So, I, I you, you know, you're going to be better than, than someone who's dealing with the elbow at trying to get into the knee because you know that joint. So that, to me, just kind of makes uh, uh, sense. But, um, Dr. Bergava, uh, other joints, how easy is it to potentially get into other joints? Yes, when it comes down to getting into a hip or into a shoulder, I think it's best for it to be guided by a radiologist or under image, so ultrasound guidance right. or x-ray guidance or, or whatever. That that would be really important, especially for a hip. Especially it's, it's, for- it's quite hard to get into a hip blindly. Right, but but we're talking about specifically the knee here. This is something that could be done without that guidance of the ultrasound guidance and um, seeing uh, an expert such as one of you two gentlemen, um, you're likely to get it in where you have to get it. Now, Dr. Gordon, I remember you were also talking about some research on the amount of um, PRP that has to be injected and some companies suggest that maybe more should be there, but I believe the research showed that there's a certain base level um, you know, where less is more to some extent. Can right. you just so, uh, focus well, on that? It's anywhere from about four, mil, four mils to about eight mils. And, it, and to me, it doesn't matter which company does it or how you're spinning it because they have looked at the research with double spin, single spin, upside down spin, uh, that sort of thing. So as long as you're getting a, a, a good amount of, of uh, fluid and plasma into the knee, I think that's what's important. Right. And the literature shows that. Yeah, and I, and I think that's important too from, uh, um, you know, I think it's important for our listeners to always know, and I and I'll, I'll f- full disclosure here that you know we we as a group make money on doing these things, but we also try to minimize the financial burden on the person because if you're doing more, but there's not necessarily better research for it, then it just equates into more money on the patient's end. And these things like PRP, uh, we should mention, are not covered through the OHIP yeah, system. Yeah, that. Um, and yep. th- these are things that need to be paid um, out of pocket for. And so uh, I think if you can be conservative on that end and, and and our whole approach is using what the research suggests and, and you know, not exceeding that just for financial gain, but essentially going with where the research suggests that this amount uh, achieves the desired effect. So uh, you, you actually save money by doing this. It's economically feasible because for an injection, now you don't have to go and spend money on all these medications, on treatments, on other uh, things, uh, ancillary things that you're going to buy. So if this thing does work for you, this injection, one or two time injection for a year, you're way ahead of the game. Yeah. And and I think most of our listeners um, or most people out there realize that, you know, not, not everything in healthcare is absolutely free. And there are some things that uh, um, are, are not covered through our public system. And so, um, you know, but again, I, I think you raise an important point that if you can do this uh, and it prevents the other interventions that you may need to do that may not really work. You, overall, you're going to be saving in the long run. But more so than just money, I think what's important here is that the research suggests that this is going to help you um, and that you you may get better or are likely to get better based on the research and, and your clinical experience with what you see. Uh, it's very low risk. You're not uh, injecting some external substance. You're, you're essentially injecting what's already in that person's body uh, just in a different form. But um, Dr. Bergavik, just for the last few minutes, again, can you take us through a synopsis of 
PRP and, and uh, again, from what it is to how it's used and the benefit of it. So I think the important thing to take away from this is that um, PRP may not be the right thing for you, but we, we're talking about evidence-based stuff that, that's going to help you with your knee. Yeah. So we talked about exercise. We talked about short course of anti-inflammatories. We talked about using a brace. We know that there's a lot of evidence for those things to be to be effective. A brace would, would help you too. Yeah. If those things aren't working or you're willing to try an injection before you're ready for your knee replacement, uh, PRP seems to be the right thing to do. Right. It seems to be more efficacious, better than hyaluronic acid or steroids, and, and these studies show that. And right. not only uh, to avoid total knees, but also when you have mild arthritis. Very important. It works way better for people who have mild arthritis right, the mild to moderate. and moderate Yeah. Uh, the other thing arthritis. that's important is that these studies did show that people who are more active seem to have more benefit from doing a PRP injection. So right. using it early may be more beneficial, right? We haven't proved that yet, but that that may be the case. Yeah, sure. so not waiting till it's it's too late. And and again, you know, when you're at that end stage severe osteoarthritis, um, there may be other options that need to be considered. But here we're really focusing on the mild to moderate when you're not necessarily a candidate for um, a knee replacement yet. And there's, again, the other options that we've gone through um, that may not work as well. Um, but also there are, as, as Dr. Bergava suggested, it, it, we're not suggesting in, in healthcare we can give you the research, but that doesn't mean that 100% of the time everything's going to work just because the research says. But it is probably, if, you, if you're someone who's suffering from osteoarthritis of the knee, you've tried some form of therapy, um, you've tried potentially some injections, mm-hmm. anti-inflammatories, you're not really getting the relief that you need. This may be... Um, you know, potentially something you may want to consider. And again, it's very simple. There's there's no commitment. Just give me a call. The free consultation. We'll have a, a quick discussion. Um, I'll take you through uh, all that you need to know. And if it's something that you want to consider, we'll set up an appointment with either Dr. Bergava or Dr. Gordon. And, uh, and you know, you'll you'll have the injection and, and see where you go from there. Um, again, thank you to our two, uh, I guess we'll call them the resident experts now because I think they're going to keep coming on. But thank you, Dr. Bergava. And thank you, Dr. Gordon, again, for being here and sharing with us your knowledge good for another week fellas uh, the number one 55 dr lou d-r-l-o-u info at paincarecanada.com is email get that consultation happening check out the prp give them a call uh, at your uh, convenience they'll be there to uh, answer all your questions till next time dr pain show global news radio 640 toronto